0: People have lots of opinions about what types of sermons we ought to preach here and there, but, but, but one of the critiques, I kind of heard this all my life, was that uh, we have Mother's Day, and Mother's Day we talk about how wonderful mothers are, and of course they are, right? And, and then we get to Father's Day, and sometimes we tend to get the, the deadbeat dad sermon, right? Now, I don't know if I've ever preached the deadbeat dad sermon. In my mind, I thought maybe I ought to preach that at some point, but it's so ingrained in my head that you don't do that. It, but, but it's difficult because, well, because I'm a father, right? And so it's one thing for me to get up and talk about how great mothers are, how great my mother is, how great my children's mother is, but, but when it comes to talking about fathers, well, that's talking about, me, and I can tell you, for whatever I may bring to fatherhood, I am an imperfect father. This seeing if y'all were going to amen that or not, okay? I, I'm an imperfect father, so sometimes it's just, I don't know, just getting up and talking about how great fathers are just kind of seems, I, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. But what I am comfortable with is getting up in front of everybody and telling you how great the Father is, the Heavenly Father. And this is where we have this opportunity. We have this opportunity to to not only reflect upon God, but, 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 but to see His image being displayed in the lives of those that have such an impact on our lives, our fathers. See, the things that are praiseworthy in me, And the things that are praiseworthy in your fathers are the things that are a reflection of the Heavenly Father. The things that are not praiseworthy, well, that's when we're inconsistent. That's when we're not reflecting Him. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to think for just a little bit about about the Heavenly Father. You know, sometimes people say that they have a a messed up view or a difficult time with with the Heavenly Father because they didn't have... A good earthly father, I suppose that that could happen, right? But the good news is, listen, nobody's asking you to make your earthly father the standard. I'm asking you to make your heavenly father the standard. So turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8. Because Romans chapter 8 has a ton of wonderful things in it. But one of the things that it says there is that as a people, we are the children of God. We're the people that are led by the Spirit of God. That's Romans chapter 8, I think around verse verse 14. And because of that, we are the children of God. Now, if we are the children of God, then this is the imagery when we talk about Him being our Heavenly Father. So, in verse 15, He talks about that relationship. This is going to be in some ways, an overview of what, our, of what our relationship is supposed to look like. Everybody got, a, everybody got a clear picture in your mind of what your relationship with your earthly father looks like? Some of those are good pictures. Some of those are not so good pictures, right? Um, for me personally, it kind of depends on what date you put on it, uh, what, 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 what that picture looks like. I, uh, but, but you, you, you understand that, that concept. What about your relationship With the Heavenly Father. How would you describe it? Is your relationship with the Heavenly Father a good relationship or a bad relationship? Is it an intimate relationship or is it a superficial relationship? Well, God's design, God's desire is for us to have an intimate relationship to truly know our Heavenly Father. For He says in verse 15, this is after the talk of being sons of God, Okay, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So, He's not saying that we don't have a spirit of bondage in some sense because He is the Father, right? We are slaves of righteousness. But, but He's trying to stress, I want you to understand the nature of this relationship. This is not simply a relationship where you do what I say because I said do it. Now, 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 even in our Bible class this morning, we talked about how at some level that is a true statement about our walk with God. But it's so much more than that. Right? If the only reason we, we obey God is because we fear God, there's something incomplete in our relationship. I know, I know, fear God and keep His commandments for this is the whole of man. I get it. You ought to be reverent towards God. There ought to be a sense of fear. But if, if you never move beyond that, you have a problem in your relationship. There is a sense in which a child obeys their father because that father will whoop them. Right? My daddy had a black belt and he didn't do any karate. Glad y'all got the joke. Right? And I don't, I don't know what, it, I mean, you can say, what well, this is good, that's bad. I'm going to tell you when I was a kid, there was a sense in which I did what my daddy told me to do. Because if I didn't do what my daddy told me to do, well, y'all know what was going to happen. Right? So you do what he says to do. Pretty much that simple. If the only reason I do what he tells me to do is because he would whoop me, Is there something wrong if that's your relationship with your your earthly father when you're 18 years old? Sometimes people have trouble with their earthly father because they get to be 18 years old or even 16, son, and they think, I believe I can take him. Right? I know a young man that thinks he can take me. Foolish youth is at times. But there's a problem. But what 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 about when you're 21 years old? What about when you're 40 years old? And the only reason I would do what He says for me to do is, is because He's going to whoop me. Now, if I'm 40 years old and He's 60 years old or 70 years old, can I tell you, I had this moment. I had this moment in my mind. I was in my mid-20s where I, I realized I don't think my dad can whoop me anymore. Y'all had that moment? Huh? I, I mean, I was not quite as... Uh, uh, thoughtful of myself as one young man I know in my, as a young person. But but around, around 30, I thought, he can't make me do anything. Huh. But if that's the only reason I was obeying, there's a problem there, right? Same thing. If if the only reason that you're here this morning is because you don't want to go to hell. Okay, so, by the way, you ought to understand that there is a heaven and there's a hell in our relationship with the Heavenly Father determines and has an impact on that course. But I'm telling you, if that's the only reason you're here, there's a problem with your relationship not being everything that God the Father intends for it to be. Now, I don't want to go to hell as much as anybody. Don't think I'm going to hell. Not really worried about going to hell. Do you know why? Because of my Father. Because of the sacrifice that He made on my behalf. That's why I have confidence. But that didn't enter my mind when I got up this morning. I did not think, I better get up there, I'm going to get in trouble. No, in my own mind, I'm here this morning because I believe that there is a one true and living God, and He is worthy of my presence and my praise today. That's why I'm here. That's why I'll be back tonight. It had nothing to do with how good-looking the preacher is, right? That's it, somebody got it. Okay? But, but but to understand, he says, no, you received, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Abba, Father. Which we cry out. It's not, it's not the spirit of bondage, it's a spirit of adoption. It's a spirit of a of a son. A son who loves his father, and his father loves his son. I heard someone say once that when they were over in the Middle East, they they had heard Romans chapter eight and verse fifteen all their life, and 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 but but we don't we don't speak Aramaic, okay? I don't think many of us do, but I sure don't. But but they'd heard Romans chapter eight and verse fifteen, and they were over in the Middle East, and they were just kind of walking along, and they and they saw this child doing what children do, and he's running and he's jumping, and all of a sudden this kid fell and. And, and, and he scraped up his knee on, on the gravel, and the kids started hollering, Abba! Abba! What, what was he hollering? Daddy! Father! It's like father, but it's a little more familiar than father, less formal than father. That's the picture. That, that relationship of, of one that we cry out to. Not only that we can cry out to, but, that, but that, that, that's our impulse to cry out to. We cry out to Him as a child in need, knowing that He cares and knowing that He is there. That's our relationship. That's our our relationship with our Master. And this is what we see played out, this relationship in the lives of godly fathers. That's what's worth celebrating. That's what's worth honoring. Back in Exodus chapter 34, uh, you have the scene as Moses is there on Mount Sinai, and and God God comes down. P- people people like to tell you what God looks like all the time, okay? People like to 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 tell well God is this and God is that. I, I personally like to let God describe Himself because He does that quite often, and this is one of those texts in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6, because th- the Bible says that. The Lord passed before Moses, right? This is He's hidden there in the cleft of the rock. Remember, we sing about that sometimes. And, and, the, and, and the Lord proclaimed. So, God's going to tell us who He really is. The Lord. The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and by no means clearing the guilty. You can go on to read, but but he 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 creates a picture of the true God. It's, It's a very diverse picture. You want to be careful about taking any of the attributes of God and isolating them. Because you will say some things that are true, but you will also... You will also create a, um, a Frankenstein, if you will, because you've over, overstated one truth to the neglect of another truth. For example, um, if I were to say, God is love. True statement? Shake your head up and down, keep you awake, right? God is love. Yeah, but, but if, if the only element that I, that I magnify of God's image is love, well, then I'm going to have a picture that doesn't really look like what God looks like, right? But some people do that all the time. Uh, by the same token, if I were to say that, that God is wrath, it's a true statement. I think it's a true statement, right? God is justice. Maybe you like my life, that terminology better. Well, it's a true statement. But, but if I were to only talk about that element, well, then I don't have a true picture of who God really is. And so sometimes people get over here and God is, God is this individual who would never say anything that would upset them to, to the least. I mean, he, he would never call them to repent or anything like that. Well, that's not the God of, of the Bible. By the same token, some people have this picture of God that, that he's just out to get them, right? I mean, he's just out, he's just out to, to catch them whenever, when, whenever they're playing games in church and, and, and he's going to send them to hell for it just to pop them, you know? Well, that's, that's a messed up view of God too. So we have to have all these, all these things that come together. Not making an idol out of any of these things. So what I want us to do, just quickly, I want us to think about these characteristics of God. That fathers, we want to, we want to exude in our lives. And families, we want to praise in our earthly fathers. Okay? So, quickly. Compassionate. God is compassionate. I think about the parable, I think about the the the, the parable of of the prodigal son. You remember about, about this young man who has done things, legitimately done things that are sinful and horrible and, and ruined his life. He has driven himself right into the ditch. And and he's sitting there in that in that pig pen and, and, he's, and he's wondering, does anybody care? And in the back of his mind, he thinks, my father my father's servants have it better than I have it. And he kind of rehearses, he rehearses what he's going to say to his father. And y'all ever do that when you were growing up? Like you were on your way home, right? Donnie, I don't know why you're looking at the floor right now, right? And I'm rehearsing this on the way home, this, this, this little script or this thing that I'm going to say to my father because I'm worried about, I'm, I'm, I, want to, I want to beg and plead and I'm just hoping and praying that he, he doesn't kill me when I get home. That's what the prodigal's doing. And And what happens is this beautiful picture that whenever he does come home, whenever he does come home in chapter 15 and verse 20, it says he rose and he came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. He told him to bring out the best robe. Put, bring and kill, kill the fatted calf. Let us be merry and eat. We're going to have a feast. We're going to celebrate. It's this God who, who rightfully looks at our sin and says, what are you doing? You're doing what I told you not to do. And, you, and, you're, and you're reaping what you're sowing. I know that. It's heartbreaking to me. But what I want for you to do is come home. I still care. I wonder how many people struggle in their lives wondering if somebody cares. Do we care about the struggles and the difficulties of life as as trivial as they may be to us? Listen, my, my struggles are not trivial. You may think they're trivial. I may think your struggles are trivial, but I know they're not to you. To know that God actually cares about those things that are going on in our life, the trials, the temptations, the struggles, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36 the Bible says of Jesus that when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd Jesus is going to deliver some some of the most condemning words to these people He is Jesus is going to say things that I just I quite honestly I don't think I could be as harsh as Jesus is uh, in places like Matthew chapter 23. I don't, think, I don't think I've ever been that harsh in my preaching. But Jesus didn't do those things out of a cold. I told you so. That, that's not where he came from. These things broke his heart. Jesus had compassion on them. And so we too should be a compassionate people. We should be a compassionate people. We should we should let people know that we truly do care about what's going on in their lives that we truly do even in spite of the fact that they're suffering as a result of their sin sometimes we just want them to come home we want them to come home and we want them to know that when they come home they will be restored that's what our heavenly father is and that's what we strive to be to be compassionate to be gracious in Matthew chapter seven, verses nine through 10, Jesus asked the question, "What man among you is there? If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for fish, we'll give him a serpent." To understand that grace, grace we often tie to our salvation is the ultimate manifestation of grace, but grace is just a gift. It's a gift that God gives to us in spite of what we deserve. It's a good gift. Do we all understand the idea of wanting good things for our children? Don't we? I think, the worst, I think the worst of us fathers understand, I want good things for my children. And many of you have seen in your lives, you sacrifice for them. You do without so that they may have. Right? This is what he's, is what he's appealing to there. He says in verse 11, If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So we serve this God, listen, he's, he's, not, he's not a, he's not a uh, Santa Claus, just you know, they're a genie in a bottle to grant all of our wishes, That's, but he wants good things for us. Does it impact your relationship with someone if you believe that they want something good for you or you think that they want some or that they want bad things for you? Does it? Of course. Listen, if I, if I think that someone really wants good things for me in my life, I'll go to them, I'll listen to them, I'll even listen to difficult things they may have to say to me. But have you ever, have you ever doubted whether somebody really had your, your best interest at heart? You ever had relationships like that? Like, yeah, all they care about is themselves, and if they've got to walk over me to get there, then they'll do it? Y'all know people like that? Of course you do. That's not who God is. But if someone was like that, you would never go to them. You would never you would never confess to that person. You, you, you You would never bring your sin and your iniquity and the and the darkest parts of your life to that person. But you would bring it to God. You would bring it to God. Can I tell you that there are those in this room, there are those in this room who do not have all the way to the point of not having a home in heaven simply because you have not asked. Because God is gracious. And God wants you. God wants you to receive these good gifts. Our God is slow to anger. Some of our Bibles say that He is long-suffering. Anybody ever not been long-suffering? I don't know why but, but some of these characteristics I just I see them so much clearer in the absence of them. Anybody ever had one of those days when it took just about that much to set you off? Like, you better look out cuz I'm on the warpath and you we don't say it, but anybody ever Okay, anybody ever seen someone else that was like that? Like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, I didn't do anything. I don't know. I, what did I do to set them off, right? Okay, God's the opposite of that. He's the opposite of that. We push and we push and we push and we push. We give God every reason to explode on us, to 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 expend His wrath upon us. But yet He continues to love. He continues to extend the invitation. I, I've I was thinking about somebody the other day that I've I've tried I've tried to con, I've studied with them. I've tried to convince them to obey the gospel. I've tried to convince them to change their life so many times. And quite honestly, I thought, I don't even know what the point is. Like, I, They're just going to say no, just like they always do. I'm pretty much sick of them. Okay? And yet God still extends the invitation. That's long-suffering. All that stuff that gets me to the very end of my rope, God says, no, no, my rope's longer than that. Now, there comes a point, there's a, comes a point where God will no longer tolerate these things, but I'm going to tell you that, that that point is far beyond where I'm at. See, that's what I want to be in my family. I want to be long-suffering. I don't want to be that, that old bear that if you breathe wrong around, you're going, get, you're going to get the wrath of. I don't enjoy punishment. I'm not just waiting to, to, to smack somebody up. That's not, that's not what I want to be. That's not what God wants us to be. We should be people that are slow to anger. I don't want anybody to perish. God is also a God of discipline. See, once again, we want to be careful. There's ditches on both sides of this road and God is much more complex. Don't don't just gravitate to the side of this that we we like. But but, but God is this God God of justice who will by no means clear the guilty. So, So don't think that God is going to look at us and say, yeah, don't worry about that. That's not a good father. Is it? If you have a father that doesn't discipline their children for whatever reason... Ultimately, because we don't like to do it, that's not a good father. I have to understand that. I don't like disciplining my children. I mean, it's just that, thats an unpleasant thing, right? Got to talk to him about this. Got to do this. Got to do that. But if you don't, what, what what happens if you have a child that's never disciplined? What, what kind of adult do you do you raise? Yeah, Tony's giving his face over. He's like, you know, it's like because we've all seen it, right? And, and we don't want to see it in our own children, so we discipline our children. You're worried about raising a brat when they're a teenager, and then I don't even know what you call an adult that's like that. Well, the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 9, he says, we have human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Aren't you glad for a father that taught you what's right and what's wrong? Aren't you glad? Yeah. I think we can amen that. We can amend that. We, 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 we live in this world. How long does it, I wish this weren't the case, but how long does it take you typically to, to, see, to see a young man or a young lady who has, who has daddy issues? That's what we call it, right? Usually don't take very long. I wish that weren't the case, but I know it is the case. I, I'm glad that one of the blessings of my life was to have a father that taught me right from wrong. We respect that. Okay, so he says, Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For indeed, verse 10, For a few days, they indeed for a few days disciplined us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. It's like I would say, I'm glad that I had a daddy that disciplined me. I don't want a God that doesn't discipline me either. Because, you see, there's this way, there's this fleshly way that exists within me. That there are times when there are things that seemeth right, the very best of my intentions. I'm not even talking about when I'm in full rebellion. I'm talking about when I'm just doing what I think is right. But there's a way within me that seemeth right, but it is a way that leads to death. And we have a heavenly Father who will rebuke us, correct us, discipline us, restore us to the paths of righteousness, it's not about control. That's not what it's about. It's not about it's not it's not about somebody making me do this or making me or not making me do that. It's about someone growing into a man, a man of God, a woman, a woman of God. Just think about these characteristics of what it means to really to really be to really be reflecting the image of our heavenly Father. We we celebrate that on days like today when we think about fatherhood and Father's Day. But but I want to go back to Romans chapter 8, where where he talks about how we we cry out. We, We have this spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba. Read in verses 16 and 17. And the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children heirs also... Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, in order that we may be glorified with Him. When, when your earthly father passes away, I don't know when that day will be. Maybe it's already happened. Can I tell you what I don't expect on that day? On that day, I, don't, I, do, not, I do not expect an inheritance. An inheritance. I don't. I've heard of people leaving stuff to the preacher, but we'll talk about that some other time. No, I, I, seriously, I, I, don't, I don't expect an inheritance. Do you, do you know why? It's your father, not mine. Right? It's your father, not mine. But this idea that there are some of you who expect things, not in not, not, not an unjust way, but, but in, a, in a rightful way. Well, that's, I'm an heir, right? If there is anything besides bills, that's going to go to me. He says that same concept that we understand that we are the sons of God, that's not just about today. It's not just about what's going on today and in this, in this life today, but it goes beyond that to the future. To know that I am a son of God today, to know that He is my heavenly Father, ought to give me assurance that I am His heir and that He has an inheritance laid up for me in the future. Even when I'm suffering, I know there's going to be a day that I shall receive His inheritance. So, so the invitation is to come. Is to come and to be a child of God. To be born again. That's His grace. That's His mercy. Right? To have your sins washed away. To walk within His light that will cleanse us each day. But that's leading us somewhere. Somewhere. It's not just leading us away from hell. It's leading us to heaven with our Father. I want to be a better Father. I want to praise my Father. But the only way I can be a better Father is to reflect the Heavenly Father. That's true of every person in this room. The only way that you can be a son of God is to reflect your heavenly Father. So if that means that you need to come to repent, to be baptized, if that means you need to come and just pray for His strength, that's the invitation that your Father gives to you today. If you have a need, you come as we stand and you come as we sing.